This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Georgia is a state with a huge history. Atlanta was hailed as the capital of the New South when people started talking about that. It's the home of CNN, of Coca-Cola. It's a place where politics exists, even just in the landscape. You go on the highways, they're named after Martin Luther King or John Lewis or Andrew Young, giants of the civil rights movement. There's the Carter Presidential Library. It mattered massively two years ago when it was Georgia's two Senate seats, which gave Democrats and Joe Biden a majority in the Senate. And it matters again now. All eyes are on Georgia because they have a Senate race, which once again could determine whether the Senate stays in the hands of the Democrats or flips to the Republicans. And there's a hot contest for the right to be the state's governor. So all eyes on Georgia, which is why I'm here. I'm Jonathan Friedland, columnist for The Guardian, and this is Politics Weekly America. We're in a parking lot in Decatur, Georgia, just about half an hour outside Atlanta. And we're here because it's a big rally for Stacey Abrams, who wants to be the next governor of the state of Georgia. It will mean the first black woman governor of any state anywhere in the country and certainly the first black governor of this state. Uh, Pulled up into the parking lot is a big purple battle bus. Uh, Stacey Abrams won Georgia, it says on the front and on the side, healthcare, housing and a good living. I'm here with producer Danielle and together we're going to plunge in. Democrats I'm saying sorry. it's not I'm quite so there this time. We're going to do, do this later. One second. Yeah, we got to go do photos. We heard me trying to get a question in there. We shook hands and I began what I was going to ask if I hadn't been 
bundled away by a campaign manager keen for the candidate to not be answering press questions, was to say she came so close four years ago that even Democrats are saying that the same energy that was there in 2018 is not there this time around. What happened? Uh, I think perhaps the answer might be just that she's swimming against a fierce national tide this time. Uh, Joe Biden unpopular, inflation high, uh, crime rates high. It's pretty hard to be a Democrat and win in this climate. But she's now posing for photos with supporters and I don't think she's in too much of a mood to take reporters' questions. After the speech was done, there was a big line of people who wanted to queue up to get their picture taken with the candidate alongside Stacey Abrams. The ideal moment for me to grab a couple of minutes with the campaign manager, Lauren Grow-Wargo. We literally have residential level turnout um, happening in early vote. And it's happening in, as it were, the right areas. It's happening in Democratic counties and so on. We're in a better position today than we were at the same time in early vote. Yeah, people got to contextualize. The Republican Party has weaponized polls. They've flooded the system with partisan polls in October as a tactic to suppress the vote, to make people think it's all over and that there's a red wave coming. does not at all track. Why do they do that? Because after Roe v. Wade was overturned, every single special election in the states has been, polling has been completely off, and Democrats on the pro-choice side has won. And what about that? those headwinds of... Biden's unpopularity, inflation, crime. Look, I mean, a midterm when we have the White House or Democrats, I mean, I'm not going to refute. There's a long history that we don't do as well, but it's different now. This, We have a partisan Supreme Court that is actively stripping women of their rights, and this was a hypothetical and has now happened. That has fundamentally changed the calculus of this entire election. And voters are not stupid. They understand the Republican Party has been taken over by election deniers and conspiracy theorists. And so there's a whole lot of reasons why polls and their value becomes it's like diminishing in what it can actually predict. Last thing, because you're very busy, the voter suppression moves, the, or vote changes in, uh, in voting the rules passed by the Republicans, a lot of people said they were deliberately aimed at depressing African-American turnout. Yeah. Have you seen evidence that some of that is biting? Of course it has, yeah. I mean, you look at the vote-by-mail totals. There's much less voting by mail because uh, Kemp said he didn't like the results of 2021 and passed a voter suppression bill that specifically targeted vote-by-mail. So we have presidential-level early vote in person, but go look at our vote-by-mail numbers. They are much, much, much lower. That is a direct result of the attack on vote-by-mail. Because it's been made so much harder. Correct. It's been made so much harder to vote-by-mail. And then number two, we're getting votes who have been challenged by white supremacists who are showing up and getting denied the right to vote. And those are not big, big, big numbers, but they're enough in a close election that our team is working to get those votes counted. And so, look, there's going to be a lot of close races. Democrats are going to win some and lose some. I don't know that we're going to have some sort of wave. But in candidates where we have, in states where we have really strong candidates like Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock, who have very high approval ratings and very high motivated basis, that is not the 2010, 2014 circumstance that we were in as Democrats. Absolutely not. And so stay tuned. So she shooed me away gently, but firmly before, but then came back to talk. Um, she didn't want me to speak to the candidate, but very happy to talk herself about why she sees things in the numbers that, as she says, the media are not seeing. And the idea that after that overturning of the abortion rights decision earlier in the summer, all polling, all measures are off because they're underestimating what's happening in the electorate. That the only way we're going to know is when we see the results in about a week from now. But that was a very positive, optimistic take from the Democrats' point of view after a whole lot of signals pointing the other way. So, a big part of covering any 
American election cycle is the rental car. It is a campaign institution. PJ O'Rourke, who used to be a very... The late PJ O'Rourke, who used to cover lots of American election and American politics, used to say, there is an all-terrain vehicle. It has been invented. It is the rental car, which you can take absolutely anywhere. And when you're on the road, this is what you have to have. Okay, so that's the first success. Let's head to the polls this November 8th and keep their legacy going. Make a plan to vote today. It's our right. Listening to the radio, vital. I always used to, when in the South, and we are in the South now, I'd always make a point of putting on Christian radio stations because the little bit of politics that would come in would always tell you what the big sort of themes were, particularly on the Republican side, so that was vital. Um, so I was an obsessive with AM radio, Rush Limbaugh, all of that kind of stuff back in the day. But these days there's many, many more channels and all of them will keep you informed of what is going on in the campaign. So the rental car, the radio on, we're ready. That's 3590, so we've gone past it. OK, you saw that? Yeah. Great. It's the ladder boxes. We haven't been paying attention. Oh, you're to right. <laughs> We've been looking at the doors. That's so daft. Okay, I'll turn around. Hi, how are you? How are you? Jonathan, Fraser, hello. This is Danielle. You've been speaking you with. Hi, I'm Latasha Brown. I'm co-founder of Black Voters Matter Fund, and we're also launched the campaign called We Won't Black Down um, throughout the nation so that we can lean into the rich history of black organizing, mobilize, inspire, ignite and excite voters to get out this election cycle. Okay, so Latasha, just on the way here, even in the car, hearing uh, and messages on the Black Information Network saying register to vote, get out to vote. There you are with your organisation, Black Voters Matter. What is it that takes this extra effort to get the black community in this state and in some ways elsewhere around the country to push them to register to vote to take part? Well, the first thing I did right was the day I started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize and hold on, hold on. You know, that's a freedom song from the civil rights movement and voting rights movement. I am a native of Selma, Alabama, and I always sing that song when I'm doing talks around the country because I do want to center us in really what this is about. This isn't just about one single election. This isn't really about just the candidates or what party has power. We really are in a democracy battle right now. And so as challenging in this moment, and it's been challenging because we have been working nonstop for a few years now, right? We went right from after the 2018 election, we went right to the 2020 election, which was a particularly very intense election in this nation, um, to immediately, I mean, just a few months after that, a special election in Georgia. And normally after those election cycles, there's kind of like a tapering down and then you pick back up for the elections. Not here. Immediately after that election, we saw um, the legislative session pass one of the worst voter suppression bills in the nation, SB 202. The 95 page bill requires an ID number like a driver's license to apply for an absentee ballot. It cuts off absentee ballot applications 11 days prior to an election. It limits the number of absentee ballot drop boxes, too, and it allows the state to take control of what it calls underperforming local election systems. 
And so since that time, we've been fighting voter suppression nonstop. It is a disservice for all of us. I mean, have we gone back 60 years? Where I mean, where are we in this democracy? And so, you know, that's one of the challenges that we're looking at. We also see this other piece that even after the votes are cast, we, you know, the, the Republicans in the state of Georgia have essentially given them power um, to be able to challenge the results. And so people have to really understand that when we're talking about voter suppression, there's a spectrum of voter suppression, right? And it happens at each stage in the process. All of those things is like death by a thousand cuts. So when you see this accumulate, it's like shave a couple of votes off this way, a couple of this way, a couple of this way, and voila, then maybe you'll get the result that you want. Now, I can imagine some people hearing this thinking, if all this was going on, that might even motivate out of defiance black voters to come out even more enthusiastically and energetically. And yet what we hear is that the around in this state, there is some, there's less energy, there's less motivation to come out and vote this time. We know that there's the same person on the ballot, actually, for governor. Stacey Abrams in 2022, she was on the ballot in 2018. A lot of people are observing just an electorate that is less fired up about doing this thing this time. Is that your impression? And if it is, why? Actually, it's not. You know, Let me say this. I think that the energy has shifted and changed. For example, um, the first week of early voting, we have actually broken in the state of Georgia, to your point, we've broken um, records for turnout. We have already surpassed 2018 records, right? Are people in the streets? Not really. Not a lot of folks are in the streets. If you look at the television ads, I don't think they're particularly very creative or inspiring. Groups like my own, we have had to do a tremendous amount of work to educate the public on what is happening when we shouldn't have to. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. As you say, this is not about this or that candidate. This is about the principle of democracy and fair votes altogether. Nevertheless, what, what impact does it make, if any, that the two rival candidates for Georgia's Senate seat are both Black men, as it happens, Herschel Walker for the Republicans, Raphael Warnock for the Democrats. Does that have an impact on turnout in general, but particularly black turnout? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Let me say this. What the Republicans are doing or have done to handpick this black man and run for office, you know, it's like an old dog with old tricks. They've done that before. We've seen that before. We've, You know, it's always been to put a a black face on a white agenda and then black people are, we're, we're supposed to just you know, uh, be fooled by that. You know, unfortunately, we've seen that before. And so I think what it has done is I think that has heightened some of the conversation around even black men and the role that black men voters will play in this election cycle. And we've seen that. And I think that's a good thing. I think those questions should be asked. I think it is a good thing to literally be able to elevate the impact and influence on black male voters because so often they've been overlooked. You know, will it make a difference? Um, I do. Are black voters paying attention? I think that one of the things I think, yes, there are more black voters paying attention. I think it does when you're having two black men lead the top of the ticket. That is something very different in the deep south. And so I do think there's more people paying attention. One of the things that, you know, analysts were really surprised at was that the African-American vote, particularly among African-American men, for Donald Trump was higher in 2020 after they'd seen what he was like than in 2016. That there was a, It's small, but there was a shift of an actual increase in votes among African-Americans in general, particularly African-American men. How, how do you explain it? It's not a big shift, but it's yeah. noticeable. Yeah, I don't know if 
is puzzling to me because what you also had is you had more participation. The bottom line, there's this belief that in some ways we're monolithic like everybody else. We actually have a depth of different ideologies like every other group. You know, when you start having more people to participate, you start seeing the spread widen. That's not just with black voters. That's with any group of voters. I can go and show. Right. And so the bottom line is we still overwhelmingly vote for the Democratic Party. But if more people are participating, then that opens up the opportunity for other people to come to the process. I suppose, so the, su- I I suppose the surprise is given what we saw of Republicans in terms of race. Right. Right. Narrowing the opportunities for black Americans to take part in the process to vote, voter suppression. You'd think that despite your point about the spread and there's always a range of views, you would think a lot of black Americans would just take the conclusion, this guy is not for us. And yet, and this party is not for us. And yet there is that shift upward. Oh, yeah, I I, I certainly, you know, it's very disappointing. I think that there's a combination. I, I, I think it is around the spread and the shift of more people participating. I also believe that there are more folks who are um, being targeted with misinformation and disinformation. There was a intentional effort that was targeted at African-American men, right, that literally around, and I say this often, that there is a level of frustration in our community at both political parties, right? I think that there's a certain level of um, discontent. And so I think that that level of frustration and discontent has been exploited. And so I think there is a certain level of a rise of black men that literally believe that that are attracted to the machoism that uh, a Trump ex- uh, displays. I think they're attracted to this wealth that if this if he knows how to be a billionaire, even though we we know or at least he knows how to pretend to be one. Right. That in some way he knows something that can help them. And so I think there's a combination. I don't think it's just as simple as this one there is a spectrum we are human we have a spectrum of beliefs like every other group of folks and so I think that's what you're seeing when you see that rise but you also saw a rise of of voters who participate on the on um in the full election but let's say it doesn't go the way you hope do you worry that the very people you're talking to all the time around the clock motivating them and getting them to sort out and check that they're on the voting rolls and so on could they get very demoralized if if this ends up with Stacey Abrams losing, possibly Warnock losing? Will they? Uh, do you worry that people will turn around to you and say, you know, Latasha, I've listened to you 2018, 2016, 2022. We just don't win here. And this whole democracy thing, it's not it's not working out for us. Let me say this. I am in a state that was notorious for voter suppression, where black people were actually murdered just for registering to vote. The bottom line is in this state that all those horrendous atrocities happen to black folks. The top of the ticket is an African-American woman and an African-American male, right? Two African-American males. That was unheard of. That is directly a response of black people and communities of color coming together and organizing. We created that opportunity. Like, I know we're in a fight right now, but the mere fact that the top of the ticket in the Deep South state like our African-American people, says a lot of both political parties. That in itself speaks to our work and our progress. That is centering what the pow- their power is than it is in centering the personality of a candidate yeah. or the power of a party. So we beginning the day with a journey to Madison, Georgia, And the reason we're going is we're there to see Herschel Walker. Now, remember, there's two big races going on in Georgia, one to be the state's governor, 
the other for a seat in the United States Senate. Herschel Walker is a candidate for that Senate seat. He's up against Raphael Warnock, who won it a couple of years ago for the Democrats. And the reason Herschel Walker is big news is, for one, he's a massive star celebrity in the state of Georgia. He was a running back, massive football star, kind of sporting legend. Uh, but the other reason is that he has a whole long, very controversial history. Herschel Walker, whose campaign makes headlines when it doesn't stumble, has recently been forced to acknowledge fathering children he hadn't previously acknowledged publicly. He has also faced allegations of domestic abuse, which he denies. Morgan, Georgia Senate Republican candidate Herschel Walker is firing back at the Daily Beast. The news outlet is reporting Walker paid for an ex-girlfriend's abortion more than a decade ago. Two women have now come forward to say that Herschel Walker, the staunchly anti-abortion Senate candidate, pressured them into having abortions. His own staff say he is psychologically unfit. People have called him a pathological liar. Uh, so there is huge controversy around him. And yet, as we record, it's pretty tight in the polls, but he is actually, in the last poll I saw, narrowly ahead. So we're off to see Herschel Walker. And remember, Latasha Brown said something so interesting about his support, particularly among African-Americans, that small minority of African-Americans who are vote, ready to vote Republican, ready to vote Herschel Walker, why they might be doing that. Is it something to do with the same things that made them drawn to Donald Trump you know, Latasha talked about machismo and that kind of thing. Herschel Walker certainly has that. So it'll be really interesting to see him in action and see what kind of people he brings out. We're basically in a big field where they've set out space for parking, just these enormous pickup trucks and SUVs. But in the middle of a field just off the highway in Madison. But, you know, if you build it, they will come. So they've said, put out the word and the TV crews already here. They're setting up. Um, and there is the Herschel Walker uh, pickup truck, which is branded with his picture on it and signs around saying, run, Herschel, run, which is obviously the slogan you'd use if you've got a former running back as your candidate. So it would all look all set up um, for a kind of winning campaign, except this is a campaign in some trouble, especially with these um, accusations. Uh, David Gatlin, and I'm uh, 58 years old. I'm a retired airline pilot and uh, uh, former Air Force pilot, and um, just here to support the Republican cause in Herschel Walker. I'm Liz Gatlin. I'm a retired executive director of a county medical society in Florida. We're both Republicans, and um, well, for one, uh, I uh, kind of went to school with him up in Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was there about the same time he was. Right. And uh, you know, he's got the right uh, ideas. I mean, he wants to fundamentally, you know, change what's going on in the Biden administration. And uh, that's what we need up there right now. What about you? We, I agree with him 100%. We're, we're all for Herschel and the Republicans, and um, we're just ready to change this country around. We're tired of what's going on with the inflation and everything, so we're, we're ready to vote. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see more than vote. You come out to this event. So what about some of the stuff that's been in the news of these various accusations against him? Does any of that trouble you at all? It doesn't trouble me. I mean, you know, people change their minds, you know, when we have our opinions and everything, and, and we believe in what we believe in, and people should respect that. Yeah. I agree, and, uh, you know, when somebody comes out of the woodwork and they're not uh, identifying themselves, it makes you a little skeptical. I mean, so you're thinking about these women who are saying he pressured them to have yeah, an abortion. You're saying because the, they're not naming. They're anonymous, you know, and 
I mean, I get that a little bit, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to come out and say something, make accusations, you know, show your face. That's what I say. Yeah, I agree. I think people should come, if they come forward, you know, because we don't know who they are. We don't know if they're lying, and so... What about the fact that you've, and you, I think it's the first time it's ever happened in Georgia, you have a choice of, for the Senate of two black candidates, both Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. But what impact difference does that make for Race you? doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, if they're a good candidate and I believe in what they believe in, I don't care if they're red, black, white, yellow, pink. It, that does not matter to me at all. I couldn't agree more. That's exactly how I feel. And I admit I'm drawn by the T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> that's that's dreaming. People listening to this won't know what it says. So you, why don't you just tell us what your T-shirt says? Alexa, change the president. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on the that second. You also got run Herschel run yeah. stickers and buttons. So, so do you think your vote for Herschel Walker will help change the president? I do. I do. We've got to change the Senate and the House, and then. Uh, I think we can get some sensible news actually heard and we can change the president because of what people know. Yeah. And yeah. what is it about what are you gonna what is it about Joe Biden that you think is not working? Um, the biggest thing for me is our faith. I think he wants to remove our Christian faith from this nation and shortly on the heels of that is he's not for the family unit as um, God intended it to be. And we need our family strong, and we need our faith strong, and we can get this country back. And what's your, you're nodding away there. What, what's your motivation for coming out this morning to see Herschel Walker? I believe we need a strong economy, and clearly we're not going to ever have that under this administration or the next Dems. They want to give... I'm a middle-class, hard-working citizen. I retired from government for 29 years, and half of my retirement is just being destroyed by this administration. So I want a strong uh, economy. You're talking about inflation there, inflation. Yeah. yeah. I want a strong uh, military, and I want, a str- I want to support law enforcement. We cannot, this country will go down the tubes as it is. People don't have any regard for law enforcement anymore. We can't get good police officers because who wants that job? And I was in law enforcement, so I can say that. That was your job, was yes. it? What, what, what was it you did? I was a special agent with the FBI. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's – and Herschel is, you know, grassroots. He's a solid kid. I don't know why he's doing this because, I, you know, I wouldn't want to. He's got to be exhausted and just taking one hit after another. But he's a – He's a good kid. You probably know this, but on Good Morning America this morning, there was a second woman who's accused him of um, pressuring her to have an abortion. She appeared on camera, not anonymous or anything. What do you think about that? Does does that make you pause a little bit in your support for Herschel Walker? Uh, No, because I don't believe it. I believe somebody came out of the woodwork at the last minute, and they're probably getting paid for that. Please give a very warm Morgan County welcome to the next center of Georgia, Herschel Walker. Before any speech I ever make, I always acknowledge my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he said if you don't acknowledge him, he's not going to acknowledge you. And I want to say it's amazing. The Democrats are going crazy right now, aren't they? They're going crazy. They're coming after me with everything right now. 
Are y'all saying they throwing the kitchen sink? I saw a preacher the other day, another one, not just Senator One. I saw another preacher going after me. You know what it is? I was like, in my church, we talk about brotherly love. We talk about forgiveness. And he's talking about his political opponent. And then, did you hear what he said? That they don't need a walker. They need a runner. I'm like, my last name is Walker, but he never seen me run, has he? Yeah. I thought I was at an Obama rally for a moment. We cannot put anything off no more. The time is crucial right now. You see where we're at. You see where we're at. I'm going to fight. And I said, if I had to fight alone, I'm okay. Because the Lord is with me. Amen. And I know you guys are ready to fight too. They're not going to hurt my family. They're not going to hurt my kids. They're not going to destroy the greatest country in the world, the no United way. States of America. God bless. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So you're shaking hands now, working the line. I have to say, I think that was a good performance. He's a good speaker, very natural, very fluent. Didn't have a word written down. He was, you know, if you'd been reading some of the Democratic talking points, you wouldn't have known he was capable of that. Um, this crowd obviously loved it, took the fight to his opponent and didn't even refer to, glancingly, the accusations against him. But for this crowd, it was definitely enough. My name is Johnny Banks. I live uh, in the next county over, Walton County, Loganville, Georgia. So he's now, you've heard him speak. What did you think? I think he's great. Absolutely great. The man stands for every value I stand for. You know? Are you a Republican voter normally, or is this will this be the first time? No. Uh, I've been voting Republican all my life. But now I've been registered a Democrat. I always vote Republican. But this year, I switched over to the Republican Party. Is that because of Herschel Walker? No, not because of Herschel. It's because of what's going on in this country. You know, my, my main concerns is abortion, schools, and law enforcement. That, those are my top three. I got many others. But those are my concerns. Tell me, uh, the, I'm looking around at this crowd. You all have noticed it too. Most of this crowd are white. Black American, African American candidate. Why are not more black Americans rallying to Herschel Walker, do you think, in, here in Georgia? Well, I'm sure that's a lot of reasons. You know, um, I'm pretty sure family, uh, peer pressure, you know, uh, maybe scared. Uh, scared of what? Scared of other, other blacks. Scared of, because if, if you don't think uh, a vote or go along with, with the status quo, to, of the majority, well then you're an outcast and you're the enemy. But for me, I'm always for right. So we're coming to the end of our time in Georgia. I suppose two takeaways that for me from being here. First is that race is always such a central issue in politics in the United States, especially in a state like Georgia. And once again, that's true here. If African-American voters turn out in a big way, as they always have, then Herschel Walker will lose and Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock uh, and co. will win. Uh, and if African-Americans don't turn out, they'll lose. And it really does come down to that. 
The second thing is that once again, more confirmation that Americans increasingly live in two different information spheres. You say to the uh, Democrats, look, the polls are showing you down. They go, I don't believe them. Those are Republican biased polls. Then you say to the Republicans, what about all these accusations against Herschel Walker that he denies, of course? And they say, yep, they must all be made up. I don't believe a word of them. They are listening to and believing in their own sources of information. And the two are almost not talking to each other. That's true of all America, but you can really see it in a dramatic way in Georgia. This is the first in a special series of episodes we're doing on the road covering the US midterms. The next stop is Ohio, so that will drop into your feed late Friday night. So do listen for that wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Friedland. The producer is Daniel Stevens, the executive producer, Maz Ebtahaj. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Shantae Joseph. I'm a writer and broadcaster and I spend way too much time online. But now those years of scrolling are finally paying off because I'm hosting The Guardian's new pop culture podcast. In each episode, I'm going to get under the skin of the week's biggest stories. If you love pop culture and want to get into how it's shaping and impacting our lives, then you should join me every Thursday, launching on the 3rd of November. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.